delighted that uh, Smee is uh, sharing God's word with us this morning. So I'm going to uh, hand over to him now. Good morning. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everyone. Good to be with you. Um, just give us a wave if you can hear me. Never close, but splendid. Um, really good to see you. Just, you know, a joyful day today because I look like a thatched cottage. Well, I hope not. But rejoicing in my house yesterday because I finally got a haircut. I was there 11 o'clock yesterday morning, desperate to get them kind of shorn. So that's good for me. Great to be with you this morning. We're thinking about Psalm the valley of death. And it occurred to me that last time I hang on Tom, we're not there yet. Uh was just after Easter. Uh, and talked about death and resurrection. And about the valley of the shadow of death. And I said to Sarah last night, oh, that means that some of the stuff's gonna be the same. That's a bit awkward. And she reassured me with the words, don't worry, no one ever remembers what you speak about. So, so with that endorsement ringing in my ears, we will, we will look at this psalm uh, together. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm. that, And we ask now that you would speak to us afresh. Amen. Encouraged, looked. It's really important to remember that it is, of course, it's a poem. This is about imagery, a metaphor. And because of that, part of it is as bad as what is spoken to people. People have been able to think about valleys and shadows and that kind of. Uh, idea when they've gone through periods of grief. So that kind of way I want to approach the passage this morning is to be thinking about the imagery and what that might say to us, how we might respond to the pictures and verses. And as I said last time, which you may remember, um, although we, there's a lot about kind of, in a sense, the big grief, the grief who have died over the past few months, there's also been a whole load Events planned of graduation cancelled, of jobs lost, of all sorts of things that we're carrying with us in grief, as we do through our whole lives, things that happen. And I think this imagery also carries through those times as well. It has been of grief. Yesterday I did something I'd never done before. I went to an online funeral. Uh, a dear friend of ours, Janet Knox, who some of you will know, uh, died of cancer about t 10 days ago. And we had a Zoom memorial for her yesterday. Very, very moving. And for us together, going through the chapter. That is a present and real reality for people. Think about Valley. Tom, if we could have that. And this, in a sense, is often the kind of the classic image, the kind of the rugged valley through the mountains that you might find in the Middle East, um, the kind of stream down the inhospitable place. And sometimes people find that image helpful to planning this. I was conscious that for many of us, we won't have been to that kind of valley. It's something we've seen, we've not experienced. But as 
I wonder if this next image is also a helpful one of a different kind of valley. If you've ever been there, of terraced houses we get in Birmingham, if you've ever been walking, delivering something and got to the end of a road and realized end, it may be a road you don't know, it might feel a bit inhospitable, there's no turnings off to the left or the right, you've just got to get to the end. And that may be the kind of valley that perhaps is a more familiar image to us rather than the mountains and the kind of the Middle East image. So whichever works for you, just hold that image in your head as we walk through this. Uh, we can stop sharing for a moment now, Tom. We'll come back to the last picture a bit later. This image of the valley. And I want us just to hold that, that picture, whatever sort of valley you think of. But it is this idea of something inhospitable, a kind of a narrow valley that you have to get through. The image of the valley is it's a place of transition. The valley is not somewhere where you stay, it takes one place to a new place. The valley is where we go through. And when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when we grieve in whatever way, it's a journey, it's a process. Jesus wants to take us through that grief, not leave us in the valley. And where we get to will be somewhere new and different. Where we were, as much as we might long for that, we will be somewhere new. Sometimes that's somewhere better. Sometimes it's somewhere different where we still long for what we had before. I'm sure there are many people thinking if only we could turn the clock back to January or December. Life was so much better. And of course we can't. We're going to have to go through this valley to somewhere new. And that doesn't mean we don't remember the past. We don't remember the past that we're grieving for. But Jesus through the and I think that's the first thing I want to really emphasize. It's a place of transition. It is not a place to stay. And the image then is of walking. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Whilst we may want it to be a sprint, it rarely is. It's a long and slow journey. And that will be painful. And sometimes sometimes years. And it is a walk, but it should be a continual walk. It might be slower at times, faster than others, but the idea is it's a walk. And I wonder whether sometimes actually when the trauma has been really significant, the walk is not just for years, but possibly for generations. As we've been thinking more over the last few weeks about the impact of the transatlantic slave trade and how that has affected We see it too in discussions around course, has affected generations, that sometimes it's possible to, to think about this valley in that long, that we walk and walk and walk but it's still a place of transition. It still leads us somewhere new. And then it talks about it's the shadow of death, a place of shadows where it's cold, where, where you want to get through the sunshine, into the light. But it's really important shadows, and you only get shadows, of course, with the sun, when you have light. And this works for as Christians and as English-speaking Christians because there's a lovely play on words, isn't there? That actually 
The sun in the sky gives light that creates shadows, but you see the sun, you know there's hope, you know you can get to the end. But don't we? We believe that ultimate hope, that whilst we may feel we're in a spiritual shadow, it is a shadow because the sun shines, the Son of God lights the way. This is not the tunnel of death, this is the valley of the shadow of death. There is always light, hope, there is always the way to the This is not an image of a tunnel. And I think that's, remember that we are there with Jesus as our shepherd, we're going to think about in a moment. Of hope leading us. We are not in a tunnel. We see the shadows because of the and that's a kind of a lot of people talk to that first bit. And then we get these strange couple of images afterwards. I will fear no evil. And you wonder what David the, the psalmist thinking of when he wrote this song what was the evil and there will be times when there is evil there are those around us who are evil suggest that images that we can think of in terms of evil with this psalm is in a sense the ultimate evil i would suggest separated from god totally separated from god's love able to be with him at times of death, people fear that. Will I be separated? What has happened to loved ones? And this will fear and evil. We do not need to fear that ultimate evil because the sun is because God is with us, lighting the way. We can always be in relationship with God. We never fear that we will be separated. At this Zoom memorial yesterday, a number of people spoke, as you can family for a few weeks before she died recorded a message it was a, a bit unusual i have to confess i've not experienced that before and was thinking it's going to be like she was actually very much she was sitting in a chair and took thanked the people for her and then just had such an assurance of where she was going and she talked a lot about her hope in Jesus and looking forward to being with Jesus. But she sang uh, from the hymn, bright, um, Strength for Today and Bright Hope for Tomorrow. Great is thy faithfulness, that hymn. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And she said, I have enough strength with the help of the staff here for today, but I have a bright hope for tomorrow. I know that certainty that she feared because she knew where she was going. And it was great in her message she left us, she urged us all, if we didn't know Jesus, to become a friend and a follower of Jesus, and those of us who do know him, to walk closer with him. It was a very moving message to hear. But she had that absolute certainty of strength for today to keep walking, and a bright of where she was going. And her children also so hope for tomorrow and we hear Romans 8 one of my most favorite passages Paul talks about this in such a kind of a way 
angels nor demons, neither the nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need fear no evil. Not because we are walking with Jesus, the light of the world is there with us even in the darkest shadows. So the, the valley is a place of transition. It's not a place to stop. It's a place to go through. It's a place of shadows. Shadows because the sun is there with us. A place where we need not fear that evil. And then we come to this thing about rods and stars. You'll comfort me. And Tom, could we have the, uh, that final point? Because um, uh, basically shepherds had two kind of uh, implements. Uh, he was guided that he was thinking you could click on to the next picture and for those of us who aren't shepherds and need a bit of help understanding the staff we're kind of very familiar with the shepherd's crook as we might call it long and thin with a crook at one end the rod however it's a club it's for discipline that's what the rod's for and we might not be so used to that image as a shepherd having a rod. That's not what we see when we're watching things about shepherds on the television. We see the staff, the shepherd's crook. And yet here, David talks about both of them. And both of them being a comfort. Perhaps we're familiar with. The staff is used to guide. The staff is what the shepherd used to guide the sheep, to steer them. He can use the hook to, to um, help them if they get stuck, if they're getting in trouble. It's a thing where Jesus uses it for keeping us moving forward. The staff is, those, is how the shepherd guides, steers, so we don't stay still. We're looking forward. It's the comfort. And for us, perhaps, we, we might think, well, how's that staff today? And we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We had that reading, didn't we, from John 14. Where Jesus promised this Holy Spirit. And we have this again for you, because I love the way the image kind of piles on top of each other. John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. That sense that we have the Holy Spirit going with us through the valley. And uh, here in the translation I was reading, the Holy Spirit's uh, masculine. Many Christians down the centuries have used the Holy Spirit in the feminine. And some people want to think of, of the Holy Spirit as her being with us. So a rich Christian heritage. But whatever language we find helpful, that sense of this is how Jesus guides us and moves us forward is always with us. So what about this rod? Surely it's a bit weird when someone's grieving to be talking about discipline and to be talking about a rod. And sometimes people think about that in terms of the rod is used to, uh, it, for a shepherd to, to defend the sheep from wolves and other animals that might attack them. And we might see that as Jesus protecting us. And there are those who prey on the vulnerable, aren't there? There are those who seek to scam and exploit people in their grief at their most vulnerable. 
And Jesus says, I am here to protect you against that. But it's also an image that he does use it on the sheep. And why on earth would you use that in someone's grieving? And I was wrestling with this, and uh, it was Alison's uh, talk from last week that really helped me. As uh, We had those great words last week, and Alison's beautiful song at the end. And in case you're worried, by the way, I am not going to sing. You can relax. Alison talked about the view that other sh that sheep get in a flock. And of course, it, we had that lovely cartoon of basically sheep end up looking at other sheep's bottoms in a, in a flock. But the point is, it's a flock of sheep. And I think often we use this psalm very individualistically, as if Jesus is taking one sheep through the valley. And whilst it is also communal. As I said, on this Zoom call we were on yesterday, there were 500 people there grieving. Individual one. There is grief. It always affects more than just one person, doesn't it? There is a sense that we, we journey on this together. And over the last three or four months, of course, as a nation, we have grieved as a nation for the 43,000 people who have died, for the thousands of jobs that have been lost. There is a sense of together we are grieving. But sadly, when some walk the valley, They choose to use grief as a way of fueling anger. And sometimes that grief turns into violence. I wonder how much domestic violence comes because they just spill it out in violence, excuse it at all. It's a crime. I'll excuse it with this is my grief. It's no excuse. It needs the rod of discipline to say that's wrong. And some people, when they're grieving, perhaps for how starts to use that as an excuse for prejudice and discrimination and we hear this don't we of what it used to be and blaming immigrants the awful language we hear about people coming over here people can't excuse it at all and it needs the rod of and sadly when i've gone round and talked to years i've heard christians say terrible things about people of other faiths and often it's because they are grieving for how life used to be or how they imagine other than walking with jesus through the valley they've decided to stay they've decided to turn that grief into resentment and they've tried to encourage other people to go with them in this resentment and it needs that rod to say that is not right that is not where you should be and certainly don't lead other people into that place this is not a way to use to influence others into those kind of prejudices. Grief needs to move us forward into that new place. That's what Jesus longs to take us to. Not in a way that turns it round into hatred of others. And so maybe that rod is helpful when we think of it in terms of the flock and what's happening there. And so this image is incredibly rich. I've just touched on the surface really. Of a valley a place where we don't stay, we keep on moving, where we get to a new place, a different place, where Jesus will be. It doesn't mean we forget the past, but we're in a new place. A valley that we keep walking through, we keep on moving, knowing that Jesus is with us, he's with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, so we need fear no evil, because the Good Shepherd will always take us through. 
Amen.